Thank you for listening to the If You Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we have a special episode with our uh, new co-host, Carla Jo Helms. We, we had Carla on to talk about PR on episode uh, 25 back in August, and we liked her so much that we had to have her on full time. So, uh, Carla, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for inviting me to be a co-host. This has been a lot of fun. It was great how that happened. We were starting to look for co-hosts. Uh, it just kind of naturally happened, and and we love it. We're super excited to have you. Um, we're not just going to talk about how much we love Carla Joe, though, everybody. Don't worry. We are also <laughs> going to be covering uh, epic PR fails and successes, which is uh, Carla Joe's expertise. Yes. Specialty. <laughs> yep. She runs uh, Joto PR, just to remind everybody. And is also a co-host on the If You Market podcast. Yay! Yay! Thank you. We'll insert clapping and cheers there. Probably not, but just imagine you're hearing okay. them. Um, anyway, uh, epic PR fails and successes. So many things we could talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, we all see these things in the news. Maybe some of them we never hear of because I realize they're successes, but I think the failures we've all heard. Yes, you know, this came up um, years ago. We started writing um, a what we call the disruptive newsletter of PR fails, PR wins, and PR in history to, you know, educate um, people, B2B mostly, on public relations and how it really affects a brand and how people, the way people feel causes them to act. And if you're not controlling that, then you're not controlling your bottom line. So it affects marketing, it affects sales. And people have loved it so much. And then they've written in over the years and they said, what do you think about this? Please write about this. Can you tell me about this? And so it's just kind of taken off with a life of its own. So I have tons here that we can go over. So you, um, you know, ask me something. If I have something on it, uh, we'll talk about it and I'll I'll tell you about it. Excellent. This is a perfect opportunity also to, to mention that um, that blog or newsletter that you guys put out. I started receiving those and they're great. Anybody who's listening and you know you want to know more about PR, you are just in B2B marketing in general, you don't have a budget for PR but would like to get on that newsletter list and, and, and read those in. They are, they're awesome. So thank you for putting that Good. Out. You're welcome. I'm glad. Well, we like to make this part of it entertaining. I am a poor reader, so I do not read a lot of things, but your newsletter is great. Oh, good. And we'll put that in the show notes uh, as well. And I'll mention at the end of the episode. Okay. Okay. So PR fails, PR successes. What do you want to start with? Uh, well, most people like to start off with PR fails. I mean, that's just seems to be. <laughs> We'll end on a happy note. We'll start with the bad stuff. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, always in our analytics. The PR fails get open to the most. So we have lots of stuff. We I think you and I were talking about um, Toys R Us not too long ago. That was an epic PR fail. Yep. I was talking to someone in my office about that, I think, this week. Like, how did they go out of business? There's this massive toy vacuum now that people are trying to fill, which means there's demand. Like, Well, I mean... You know, PR, what people don't necessarily realize is PR is not just putting out stories and spinning things to get people to think of you in a positive light. PR is your public relations. It is how you are running and managing all parts of your organization. And that includes proper stewardship, right? And it also includes how you handle when things go badly. And um, 
you know, PR, like this PR fail, Toys R Us, um, you know, they got into trouble. Um, they didn't run the company well, um, you know, which is kind of hard to believe. Toys R Us was like, wow, you know, a big icon since I was a little kid, right? And, you know, they got into Chapter 11, right. but the thing that, you know, really started turning the tides of how con like consumer opinion and public opinion was thinking about them is that they, even though they asked for it, they, they actually won while they were in chapter 11, a $16 million bonus plan to their top execs if they hitted their targets, right? So they're having to bail right. out the company from a $5.2 billion debt, right? Right. Now that's, that always seems to happen. And it's, always the executives it's not new executives brought in it's the people who got them in that situation and they're saying no, please stay you created this problem please stay and help us and, and fix it and we'll pay you extra for that it always seems odd i know it's bad optics we'll pay you extra for, for getting us into trouble you get us out of trouble. you're not even getting us into the black you're just getting us like a, a little bit more out of trouble mm -hmm. right um it's it the stunt like that is a it's miserable for a company's pr because People trust and want to do business with organizations that reward leadership and employees for a job well done, yep. right? It's like rewards and penalties. And if you're going to pay those bonuses out, um, you know, pay them to, uh, you know, the va vast amount of employees that are also doing the work, right? Um, so, you know, when you reward statistics that are going down, what are you going to get? You're going to get more of that. And public opinion today, because of the court of public opinion and everything's publicized, right? Yep. Then you have people that are going to, you know, make a decision with their pocketbook. And, you know, those uh, rewards did not give the executives the incentive to do more work. And ultimately, um, they crashed and the CEO publicly ended up blaming um, the uncooperative vendors that he actually publicly blamed the customers who weren't supportive enough. So they get into um, this childish public bickering kind of. Yeah. He blamed the lenders who live by their spreadsheets and he blamed the media who, you know, made self-fulfilling prophecies with their reports. So he said, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he, it just didn't really w look well at all. So, I think uh, we recently found out an investigative reporter found, um, you know, a lot of their HR records were uh, left behind, right? Security, um, you know, breaches of all these. Wait, like left behind, like everybody behind was building. laid off and left and there was just HR records and yes. filing cabinets in an abandoned building. Yes. Oh, it's like Soviet style left behind. If you're going to go out. <laughs> wow. You know, if you're going to go out at the bottom of public relations, you know, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Starting with the big winner there. Who knew Toys R Us? I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us right, kid. Right. It's a uh, com complete uh, meltdown. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that's a good one. Right? That's a good bad one. A yeah. Good bad one. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, okay. Something that comes to mind yeah. for me, uh, you, people say that um, no press is bad press and that kind of stuff. I think you probably disagree with that, but is there 
a such thing as on purpose PR fails for attention? Yes, those are called stunts. <laughs> and there is a rule in PR that, you know, if you're going to do a stunt, you say it's a stunt. If you do a stunt and pretend it's real, it will backflash on you. And I know you're going to ask me for an example, and I don't have one off the top of my head. Um, but if you are going to do a stunt, you really need to announce that it's a stunt. It won't get you less coverage because the media loves big stunts. Um, but if they find out you did something and it was fake just to get attention and use them for that attention, um, most likely it will backfire on you very badly. Interesting. I mean, I guess... Stunt might be the right word for it. I know people do, you know, you have morning radio show in, in Northern California. I remember a long time ago where a DJ took a desk and put it in the middle of the Golden Gate Bridge and just backed up traffic. And eventually they, the police showed up and arrested him, but he got just an insane amount of attention for it. That's obviously a stunt and a bunch of people are mad, but that's, you know, he's getting attention and that's what you want as a morning radio guy. Yeah. And there's always exceptions, you know, just like there's no absolutes in this universe, but Right. I guess I'm thinking more of the type of thing like the conspiracy theory that um, when Coke came out with new Coke, they knew what they were doing and they intended to roll back to the original Coke to get that bump of now this thing you love is back. Um, I guess that kind of a stunt where it's a they're looking for the the backlash of attention on purpose, but not in a, you know, look at us juggling on the bridge type of a situation. Right. Well, you know, there's still the jury out on that one. I know that that has been said and there's, you know, been all sorts of debate whether that really happened or not. Um, you know, it, it, you just have to, you really have to think it out, you know, think something outrageous just to get your name in the press, I guess I'd say. Yeah, for the sake of getting your name in the press, like the purpose of PR is to really for businesses is to publicize your good works, to generate goodwill. Goodwill today is one fourth of the valuation of your company. Wow. Um, so when you look at even public companies, uh, 20 to 25 percent of the entire cap, the market cap is based off of reputation is based off of goodwill, right? Which is why you see public companies investing a lot into PR. They understand the game, right? So you have to do those stunts with a real purpose behind it and a real message behind it. Right. And it has to be well thought out and well executed. So I guess I'd say I don't have an example and that might be because I'm thinking B2B and that kind of a stunt is generally a consumer thing maybe. Yes, generally it can be. Um, businesses have you know, real work to do. Had, we, you know, when cybersecurity, yeah, when cybersecurity was, um, you know, not as, you know, to, like as prevalent a topic as it is in the news today, you know, we've had uh, many clients in that industry, but I do remember, uh, a stunt that a client did and, um, they wanted to show, you know, news stations all around the nation that you could easily hack into a computer by, you know, leaving a USB stick on the ground or something like that. And, um, you know, employees would pick it up and put oh, it in their computer it in. and it could affect a whole system, right? Ooh. So we did a whole stunt like that, uh, we sent pizzas to all these news stations around the nation. And of course it had um, a USB stick um, taped on it. Now, people in the producer's room, they love pizza. 
Um, and so, you know, when they would take that USB stick and of course they knew it was a, from a PR firm and they knew it was a stump, but they, um, put it in their computer, it would come up and would say, warning, you've just been hacked, but it would be like, if this was real life, you would have been screwed kind of thing. Right. Right. Those are great stunts. Um, newsrooms won't let you in. (laughs) They won't let pizza boxes into the newsrooms anymore, as you can imagine, but nice job, Carla. Thanks to you guys. Good job. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) They love pizza. Now they can't have it and it's all your fault. (laughs) That's right. If there's anything else you don't want them to have, just send it over with a, with a USB stick attached (laughs) and uh, done and done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see that most of the stunty stunt stunts, get your name out there is, is more of a a B2C thing, I guess I, but that one was B2B because this was cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. But like it's, it's what you were saying. B2B does it in this way. When there's something actually that looks bad happens in, in business, it's actually bad. It's not an intentional uh, or somebody's fired because they don't know what they're doing, I guess, with their PR. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. We had a client one time that wanted to do a stunt of get a very particular type of flying vehicle to you know, how about, you know, we do a stunt and we land on Google's, um, you know, property and headquarters and take off. And I was like, yeah, we have to coordinate all that. (laughs) There's legalities involved. You have to like really plan out a stunt today. Right. I guess I'd say that's where a startup would just do that. Yeah. Maybe. And they'd say, oh, look, we're, you know, we do drones for commercial videography, whatever it is. And we're just going to fly onto the White House grounds and we're going to get a ton of attention and maybe arrested. But, you know, we're a startup. We got three guys in a drone. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that you can't do stuff like that, but you really do today. You have to coordinate with legal. You have to coordinate with your PR team. You have to really make sure that it has a good purpose behind it. So if you piss off a few, pardon my French, you're going to have to make sure that the majority love you. Right. It seems like a Hail Mary with a, with some serious repercussions yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, okay. Now what about, uh, I've been seeing a rash recently of these, uh, I've heard people calling them, we're sorry commercials. Oh yeah. Where, uh, you know, every Uber's doing, we're sorry commercial. Facebook's doing, we're sorry. Like basically, uh, um, all these big companies coming out with like, Hey, Wells Fargo, you know, we're cool. <laughs> we messed up. Take us yeah. back. Um, you know what? Yeah. We actually wrote about that. And if you give me a second. We may have talked about that in our last episode. Did even. We? It's um, it's ringing a bell a little bit um, in general. But I, I don't know if we want to cover this as a, if I could ask you, you know, we're sorry, commercials, PR wise, good idea, bad idea. When should people do it? Is that. I don't have the statistics front of me, but they have not been getting the return for the millions of dollars that they have been putting out. Um, right. Well, it seems like once everybody's doing them, it doesn't feel genuine anymore. Well, and there's parts of it that, that don't feel genuine. Um, you know, with the fiasco that Wells Fargo has been going through, right, where they created all of these fake accounts yeah. and this and that. Um, and then they have a billboard that says, you know, we're recommitted to you that's not commensurate to the damage that they did so when you do an apology it has to be above and beyond like whatever men's you do has to be above and beyond the damage that you've done it's like an estimation of effort 
So a billboard. Right. I guess I'd say saying we're sorry, but not changing anything. Uber has a new CEO saying we're sorry. Wells Fargo, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure a lot they they blamed one low level person and fired him or something like that. Yeah, they call um, them atonement ads. You know, for, you know? Um, yeah. and it really doesn't atone uh, for the damage that's been done. It, it it actually needs to be a concerted campaign. I do have the statistics here. Um, Wells Fargo sent spent thirty point five million on its atonement ads. Uh, Uber spent $23.2 million. Facebook spent $47.5 million. You know, but when you look at, for instance, just the amount of users Facebook has and the amount of um, media play that it got by upsetting others, right? You look at that estimation of effort, and then you look at your ad um, next to it, it, it it's not enough. Right. 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 Well, it's it's the Wall Street banks that say, okay, we're not supposed to do this, but it's going to make us a billion dollars, and we're going to get fined a hundred million. And people are going to say, a hundred million—that's outrageous. We made a billion more. Who cares? Right. And that people kind of see that and say, when it's an apology thing, like that seems a little disingenuous when you're still doing the activity, and this is just a drop in the bucket compared to what you invested into that the bad part. It seems disingenuous, you know, and you are right. And, you know, people go, well, you know, they're still around, they're still behemoths, they're still making a lot of money. But, you know, sometimes revenge is served best cold. And that's sort of how the public can react. Um, new competitors can come into the market, you know, when there are others that they can actually vote by their pocketbooks, or they can vote by putting their business elsewhere. Um, People have, you know, a memory and they will do that. So, you know, you might not see um, the reverberations overnight, um, but it does happen. You know, people get affected emotionally and they act. Right. You hit a trigger word here for me. I think it's a perfect transition. You said when they vote. Yeah. Um, so political, getting political. Cool. I have Papa John's written down here. Um <laughs> What is your what are your thoughts on the political PR, whether it's a success, failure, touching it at all? What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, as a rule, my company and I, we don't talk about or do political PR like whatsoever. It's extremely polarizing. And there are rules of the game in political PR that if companies applied, companies would not stay in business. You know, there it's okay to lie in political PR. It's not really, but um, you know, these are the games, right? It's okay to polarize. It's okay to right. have opposing forces all the time with no resolution. So they would say it's it's not okay to lie. It's just part of the playbook. It's part of the playbook, right? <laughs> yeah. And we don't get into it, you know? Uh it, right. That's yeah, good. We just really don't. I mean, I suppose it's a minefield and PR, you are supposed to stay away from minefields. Yes. So. And companies have suffered, you know, uh, companies that are more left, they've suffered and companies that are more right have suffered by um, getting political on their business lines. Right. So if you saw right. widgets, is that usually on purpose huh? or is it just there's is it usually on purpose when they get political or is there somebody that's political in the company and they you know, go on social media or something gets put out and all of a sudden now the company's branded with a certain 
position? It can be that. And you can have people in management that, um, you know, have a certain leaning right or left and they feel like it's their moral duty um, to say or do something on their platform. You know, it's actually okay to do that. And we have freedom of speech, but you have to look at the purpose of the company and the mission of the company and who you're serving. And it doesn't serve to do that on your business platform. If you are a thought leader already, have your own platform, you know, go do it separately, make it very separate. There are ways to do it um, where it wouldn't be damaging to the company, but you know, don't drag your employees with you basically. Don't drag your employees or your customers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is there a time when when it's a good idea to get political? Is there a, whether it's a Hail Mary desperation move for a company that's struggling? Is there any situation where you'd say, OK, maybe getting political is a, a PR solution? Yes. And I actually have something that I could probably find you on that. Um, I did not expect you to say yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was ready for you to say no, and then we were moving and I on. See <laughs> if I can, um, you know, we have serious commerce blunders of taking political sides. Let's see if I can. Okay, I guess if you're a if you sell gold coins, maybe take a political side. So if you have a product that's very much in. I mean, I'm sure gun manufacturers take a political side. That doesn't right. No, it has them. to be aligned with the mission of the company where you would go naturally, naturally, right? That right. is your audience. Like that is alien- your audience. You're not alienating half your customers. Yes, You're- exactly. Um, and there have been companies in history where that has really made a lot of sense for them and they've done it and they've done it successfully. But again, it, there is no... I think people get upset when they're like, look, I just want to go eat chicken. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to be reminded of politics, you know, or I just want entertainment. I don't want to think about this at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess all the examples I'm thinking of are not B2B on things that go political. It's generally a consumer product that's, that's, you know, the nature of the product pushes it on one side or the other politically. Yeah. You would probably hear more about it that way. Somebody's going to tweet with some example of B2B. I'm sure it's out there. But um, so in general, don't go political thinking you're going to uh, grab a big chunk of the market uh, somewhere. It's it's probably not a great B2B play. Yeah, you should really take a look at your consumer demographics before you decide to uh, you know polarize part of them. Mm-hmm. Create another Twitter account. Invent your personal interest there. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Yes. And, you know, coordinate with your PR team about this and really think it out and have a strategy. Don't shoot from the hip. All right. Now, I think a lot of the, the companies we've been talking about in general are um, have been B2C companies. Toys R Us. Um, I've got a handful of others written down here, but I'm looking, I'm saying, oh, wait, these are, you know, I mentioned Uber. These are really B2C companies. I've got Nike written down here. And I guess those are the ones that are, that get a lot of play in the, uh, in the press and that we notice. Um, but do, do we have any, any, uh, either success or failure on the B2B side PR wise? Well, you know, I, this is still, people think of this as a B2C, but it's also how they became such a strong B2C force is by really creating exceptional public relations with their B2B market, which was Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Airbnb has done an exceptional job of creating 
great public relations with um, the hosts that they have that, you know, actually put their uh, locations up for, you know, people to stay, but also economically going into the areas where they have um, Airbnb hosts and really supporting the restaurants through a lot of positive PR and promotions about the area and have actually hired um, photographers and other locals in those areas to take pictures and do write-ups and things like that. They have created such a juggernaut of B2B strong relations and goodwill that they were able to, it really gave them the bandwidth to create such good uh, relations B2C wise. And most people don't think about that, but that is definitely. Right. I guess there's a lot of business travel and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, when you are an advocate for local economies and local restaurateurs and local um, tourist locations, right. And local professionals that can help you on your site, videographers, photographers, and things like that. Um, and you use this, right. And you're generating economic goodwill, right. Um, and publicizing them, you create a lot of goodwill support that gives you a lot of great, um, you know, I don't even know what I want to say here. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> it gives you a lot of leverage. Yeah, right. it gives you a lot of leverage. Um, well, you know, they they were really disruptive. Uh, they have been disruptive in the, um, you know, travel and tourism industry, right? The hotel market. Um, and so when you're disrupting something like right. that, you're going to have to ease the disruption because that creates a lot of upset, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in order to do that um, and to gain a lot of goodwill and a lot of good publicity and things like that, they did it very smartly. Okay. Um, I love it. Uh, so when it comes to examples, I have all these examples that are generally examples of people doing it wrong um, and bad examples off the top of your head or you've got it written down somewhere. We're, we're going to go to a break in just a minute, but can you think of a company that does PR really well, that generally gets it right? And I think you may have even mentioned one in the, in the last episode, same one, different one doesn't matter, but you know, we all see all the, the disasters out there and you probably don't even notice the great, the great moves people do. Um, I remember when the United Airlines stuff happened, thinking this is an opportunity or was an opportunity for them. And now it's an opportunity for somebody else to step in and give that passenger free flights for life. And they're going to get free advertising for life, basically, or just an insane amount of free press or, um, you know, United Airlines, if they'd offered that person some insane amount of money instead of dragging them off the plane would have got great PR the next day instead of this, if they said $10,000 to come off, you know? Right. Right. Well, there's a lot of good uh, companies out there that do, um, you know, really good PR, big companies that people know about, um, universities. Coca-Cola is one. Coca-Cola is one that has uh, repeatedly done really good PR, uh, despite what others might think of them in their sugary drinks. Um, their PR has really won them a lot of admiration around the world, and they use PR very heavily before they go into new markets, like emerging markets, uh, to win over the hearts of the people before they go in and start their marketing and their sales. There's some great examples of that. 
um, I always like to bring them up because their their um, financials always show that their PR is working. When they go in an area, they start a PR campaign, then they bring their marketing uh, and their sales efforts, and you know they take over the world. They have done that for many, many years. They are no stranger to public relations. All right. I think that's a good place to take a break here. We'll be back after the break with uh, more of the If You Market podcast with myself and Carla Joe Helms. Hi, this is Daniel Voss from GoToWebinar. I'm the chief webinar wrangler here at GoToWebinar, where we're the largest webinar platform in the world with more than 50,000 customers and 60 million people attending webinars on the platform every year. If you want to come check out GoToWebinar, go to gotowebinar.com and take out one of our free trials and give the product a spin. All right, we're back from the break. This is uh, Sky Cassidy on the If You Market podcast. I've got our co-host here with us to talk about PR and epic PR fails, epic PR successes, everything uh, everything PR. Carla Jo Helms, welcome back from the break. Thank you. Very happy to be here again. <laughs> so, um, and just to remind everybody, Carla Jo is our full-time permanent uh, co-host now. We're all very excited about that. So we'll be hearing a lot more of her and hopefully a, a little bit less of me. I saw all your tweets. Thank you. So, can you give me some examples or an example of some some PR and some historical PR, maybe I would say? Yes. Um, like I said, we have people that write into us and sometimes we don't even know about certain things. Um, and this is one where one of our clients wrote into us and sent us a bunch of documentation that we did research on. And this was... Um, PR, how PR was used to change the way the Brits talk. Very interesting. What do you mean change? Did they used to have American accents yeah. and then they developed yeah. a British accent? Can you believe that? Those buggers. <laughs> yeah, the primary. Um, so, you know, we have our roots in British culture. We, we Americans do, right? So why don't Americans uh, and the English talk with similar accents? Um, happened shortly after the American Revolution. Uh, the primary reason for the switch to a different dialect came from... Wait, wait, wait. Did what? did we win the war so we got to keep the accent and they had to come up with a new one? <laughs> maybe so. Or maybe they were so disgusted with us they wanted to change, right? <laughs> nice. uh, but, you know, according to the story, the primary reason for the switch came from a shift in power as people in England who were born of lower stature came into power. And when doing so, they wanted to sound different in order to demonstrate their new status among the upper class. So they made up fancy talk? When we think they, they sound smart, they did that on purpose. Yes. And they gave it, it's given oh. the name received pronunciation. So I could do my bad British accent, but you know, it's where they don't use the R's, right? Parking the car and Harvard Yard. I mean, that sounds, that's awful, right? But. So when we do British accent to sound snooty, that's exactly why they did it. Yes. Isn't that funny? Oh, Wow. Now I can tell British people to stop putting on that fake British accent. Yeah. And so that was a PR <laughs> campaign. Isn't that crazy? Um, that is, that's amazing. It's not the first time that's happened, right? Um, you know, it's happened in Spain. You know, they have the Castilian style of Spanish. that's like softer spoken and has that stereotypical lisp in the way they speak. Mm -hmm. that, that too was a PR campaign. 
And it was wow. So one group will say we want to separate ourselves from these other people. Yeah. So we're going to talk different. Well, this one was traced back to a Spanish king who actually spoke with a lisp. There you go. So that's how that pronunciation was spread around um, because they were, you know, trying to be like him. You see it now. Usually, you see it in dictatorships. Like people will start taking the hair and the clothing and stuff of of the leader to, oh, we're going to look like him, type of a thing. But you're saying it happens well it outside happens of that well as well. Outside of that as well, it's been happening for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, I had down here one one thing from history. Um, PR is kind of a PR battle. I don't know all the details, but off the top of my head, but when electricity was first coming in to use in the U.S. or they were trying to put it into use, Nikola Tesla and uh, Edison were warring over whose type of electricity would get um, would get used by cities and and everywhere. They knew this was going to be a big thing everywhere, and they would do these insane PR stunts. Uh, you know, electrocuting an animal to show one type of electricity is bad. Uh, Tesla with his Tesla coil to show his electricity is good. They did all these crazy, crazy PR stunts doing electro, you know, I mean, I guess it was considered a big stunt back then to electrify a house, to put lights and wires and stuff in a house so that at night the whole house was lit up and everybody's blown away and putting uh, electric lights throughout the whole world's fair that year and all, all these bizarre historical stuff. Uh, PR stunts, I guess they were all designed to win over the hearts and minds of, of all the people. Yeah, definitely. And there's stories about Edison and Phillips. Um, you know, PR was heavily used to get people to then put electricity in their homes because electricity was synonymous with the word electrocution back then. That's weird. Why would those be so closely connected? Because it, that was a new word. Right. That's what people right? knew about electricity. It zaps you. Yeah, and I wish I had that story in front of me, but that's an even uh, that's a really cool story too. Um, back then, we'll they, give the listeners homework. Google it, people. Google it. Yeah, I mean, remember right. when they used to have um, Christmas trees with candles? Oh my gosh! Um, they used to have Christmas trees with candles, and they'd have a bucket of water or a sand bucket next to it, just in case a fire got started. And it was Phillips or Edison had the great idea one time to make Christmas light bulbs. And uh, put Christmas light bulbs on the tree in the house, called the New York Times, I think it was. And they came over and did a big story. And that's how people started to buy light bulbs. And then that grew into, a, you know, putting electricity on your homes. But, you know, they were on their last, uh, you know, investment seed capital. And they didn't know what they were going to do before that. And that was a PR stunt that... That's when the stunts come out. It's yeah. the Hail Mary. Yeah. It's the Hail Mary. You need some big attention. They do something extreme. Yep. Like light a Christmas tree. That's crazy. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is crazy. And all you're trying to do is create an effect, change people's minds through some sort of emotional response and get them to act. That's what you're doing. So right. you know, PR can be used for good and it can be used for bad. And I, I suppose sometimes also you want it to be big enough that it'll be picked up by, it'll be newsworthy kind of. Yes. So that it's not just commercials putting out PR yourself, but you want it to be something that other people spread out outside of your own paid channels. I guess uh, a recent example on that would be Nike. It's very polarizing. We're getting into the political thing there, uh, 
but it appears to be paying off. I think they knew who their audience was and who who's buying their products and whatnot. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, they've done a, a lot of work um, behind the scenes to really plan uh, a great publicity stunt that would go on uh, for quite a while, right? Not so much a Hail Mary for them, though. I mean, they knew they were going to get a lot of free coverage from it, but uh, it isn't like they were in bankruptcy and uh, really needed that desperately. No, but they definitely wanted to make a statement. That's for sure. Yeah. On the other hand, Tesla struggling a little bit right now, PR wise. Yes, Tesla is. That is one of those cases of the figurehead of the company creating the, you know, it's, it's like Richard Branson. You are the brand of the company. And if you go a little bit off track, that's, that's all your PR right there. That is true. When you command more attention, you command more uh, airwaves, um, you have to have the responsibility that goes with it. And when I say that, I'm not saying anything against Elon Musk or anything like that, because I really haven't followed that to the T. But I'm just saying, in general, that is where figureheads can get into trouble. They think they have enough power that they can say something and uh, it won't have a negative impact or do something and it won't have a negative impact. But, you know, again, it's a, a misguided foresight on the estimation of effort of how much um, their identity is branded with the company. Right. I guess it's be careful what you want because they, they brand their identity as a company, like you say, and then, oh, now your private life is the company yeah. because you branded yourself as it. You, you don't get to do anything and say stuff that's that's private anymore. It's it's that double-edged sword of fame kind of. You don't get to then complain about everybody taking your picture when that's what you were striving for for so long and that's what you live off of. Yeah. Well, we always say don't live off of the fame. Fame is horrible. So one thing I wanted to make sure we get, there's a lot of stories and a lot of, yeah, the, you know, pointing out the epic PR fails and those kind of things. But what about, uh, can you give us a couple examples of, I guess I call them how not to fail type of a thing? <laughs> so not looking for a great PR success and advice or something like that, but just advice and how not to fail. Well, one of the things not to do is not be in control of your PR before anything happens. Um, and that is sometimes the biggest fail that companies can make. Um, PR, public relations, your brand reputation has to be controlled. And then in a day, uh, you know, in this day and age when, you know, the media has trebled since 2010 um, and there's social media to spread things around um, and, you know, the media is picking up things on social media. So it's, it seems like a never endless sort of cycle you really want to put out positive publicity about your good works, what you're doing, how you're helping, um, how you resolve issues with your services and products, um, things that you're doing in corporate social responsibility, really laying a foundation. Because if something ever happens, that will serve to be a huge buffer. And some companies so maybe have a PR cheerleader. You have a PR cheerleader. And if okay. something happens, it is really hard to attack a company of goodwill. People are more forgiving. They'll, they'll. Right. When they already have a reputation, people give them the benefit of the doubt. But with no reputation or a bad reputation, then you're under the bus. Yes, you're under the bus. Uh, the other thing. So build some goodwill while you have time. Say that again. <laughs> 
build some goodwill we have time prepare for winter because something bad will happen and you need people to have a good impression of you already yes so definitely do that that's super important um the other thing is how not to fail if something does happen um don't try to handle it don't try to handle your public relations by yourself um when you're in it you need guidance um, and you also need to speak out faster than uh, the opposition can or the media can. Now, once that vacuum is filled, right, with the negative data, it's three times, five times, ten times harder to reverse that impression or public opinion. I mean, that's very expensive. So you want to get ahead of it. You want to be genuine and you want to be the one that fills the vacuum of public void uh, or question first. Um, and you can't do that on your own because, you know, typically you're you're too invested in it to be able to see it objectively. I'm seeing PR as like uh, when it comes to the the failures, kind of, of like getting into an accident and then saying I need to run out and get insurance. <laughs> um, like you kind of should have had it already and been setting yeah, this the whole time. That's a really great analogy. Because if you can't. You can't go get it at that point. You got to have it set up and ready to go. You can get it at that point, but it's going to be way more expensive and it might not help you with that past item like you want it to. Yeah, they're not going to cover that. (laughs) Right. That's a pre-existing condition. Um, uh, Speaking of pre-existing conditions, there's been a lot of pharmaceutical PR hubbub. What are your thoughts on all the pharmaceutical stuff? You mean as far as the negative publicity? Yeah, negative publicity. Is there any pharmaceutical company that's doing it right? Does doing it right just mean people don't hear about you? Yeah, um, I only hear about bad stuff. <laughs> right. So pharmaceutical just stay out of the news. Well, you know, there was we did a market analysis not too long ago. I mean, um, pharmaceutical companies, healthcare, and so forth really do have the lowest reputation of trust right now in our country. So that does tell you you know, something about how they're doing it or not doing it correctly, but I don't have anything off the top of my mind. Right. It just seems like every other month somebody's buying some product and just raising the prices through the roof because, you know, it's people's lives. They know they can, people will need to pay for the stuff. Right. Well, you had that scandal with the EpiPen. Right. I guess I'd say with them, it's, they obviously don't care about the PR. They're just, it's a money grab, it seems like. They're doing something they know there's going to be a backlash against, but they're saying, hey, what are you going to do? Do you want this yeah. medication or not? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's, is there such thing as PR for people who don't care? <laughs> like, I don't care what you think about me. I'm, I'm going to make money. You no, know, PR doesn't work over does that. PR just not exist for those companies? It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, if somebody really is blatantly unethical or illicit, um, you know, no amount of PR will work. It, it always uh, surfaces and backfires. So if you want to write a book, Carla Joe, I've got the world's shortest book for you. It's titled PR for people who don't care. It's just a (laughs) front cover, back cover, bio, you're done. (laughs) You know, and you'd open it and say nothing. (laughs) Yeah. You could do a little pamphlet like that. You could hand them out. PR for people who don't care. Get my new book. It's It's empty. (laughs) All right. Um, So we covered the pharma here. Um, any other, uh, fail successes you can think of across the spectrum of businesses or, or tips for people on staying out of the failure category and in the success category that you can, uh, you can think of? Um, well, I, I will say this one last thing and, you know, it's really, really important, but 
uh, in public relations and in your communications and staying out of trouble, if you're thinking about doing a campaign, you're thinking about uh, speaking up politically, or you're unsure of something, always side check yourself with the purpose of the company. What are you there to do? What is your mission statement? Does it align with that? If it doesn't, it's going to go off the rails. And that sounds so basic and so fundamental, but people buy into the purpose. They buy into the why. They don't buy the what, right? And they buy into that first. Right. It doesn't seem authentic when suddenly you have this thing you super care about. It seems to coincide with uh, some sort of you know, PR slip, yes. really suspiciously. That, that is the best advice that I could say. And... Um, you know, for great examples, I would tell them to go to our blog and search PR Win or PR Fail or PR in History. And uh, if anybody has anything they want us to write about, um, you know, send in a request. Awesome. And then I guess uh, another question for you. I've had this this thought bubbling around my brain for kind of a, I don't know if you call it guerrilla PR because it isn't like it's, uh, but I guess easy PR successes. And you tell me what you think about it. Just basically watching your competitors and waiting for them to have PR slips and then capitalizing on those. It's not a bad tactic. I mean, people have done it very successfully. Lyft did it very successfully when Uber screwed up um, and won a pretty good chunk of market share. That's also on our blog. Um, it's not a bad tactic. The press, they're getting negative. You could get the rever- the opposite side of that. You could get the, the same amount of positive press because every time they're going to mention the negative side, now they have this They've been fed the the mirror yes, image of it. That of. is a called counterpoint PR. Yeah. So there's lots of tools that uh, PR has, uh, you know, in its toolbox to um, help companies uh, increase their goodwill, expand their market share, and really put them on the map and make them thought leaders. Excellent. Well, really excited, Carla Joe, to have you on moving forward as a as a co-host with all of our episodes and. Uh, you know, thank you for coming and doing PR again here with uh, the epic fails and successes of PR. Yeah, thank you. I hope all the listeners really enjoyed it. Yep. I think, I mean, some of this was just me and you kind of bantering, which uh, I'm fine with. I hope everyone else is as well. <laughs> and um, let me see next episode. We'll get back to me and Carla Joe uh, breaking down uh, B2B marketing uh, subject for you guys. Um so let me throw out a couple things here. Again, the blog, we'll put that in the show notes, but uh, also at Joto PR, um, you can go to find their blog. It is a great, I keep calling it a blog. Is it a blog or a newsletter or both? It's a blog. Uh, our newsletters that get mailed out, they all uh, you know, point back to our blog. So people could go to jotopr.com, find the blog, go to the search feature and type in PR win or PR fail or PR in history. Um, and they can read a bunch of stories on that. All right. And then I guess whether you like it in a newsletter format or the blog format, they've got both of those there for you. Yeah, they can sign up Um, if they want it. And then, of course, Carla Joe, you can look her up on LinkedIn. We have a new home here for the If You Market podcast. We've got, uh, you can always go to ifyoumarket.com. Of course, you can always subscribe on iTunes. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but we have been moving everything over to the If You Market, They Will Come website, which is a general B2B marketing content site uh, that we've created, hosts the podcast, as well as uh, many other B2B marketing things. We've got uh, 
nice little marketing Marvin cartoon there and all kinds of uh, great stuff. A lot of articles from a lot of different sources. Um, so check out the, if you market, they will come.com website. And, um, Oh, I almost forgot. If you market the shit out of it with PR, they will come. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks Carla. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.